Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I am your host, of course, Matt Haller. And today we have Blaine Weiss. Now, Blaine is one of those people who, when you meet him, you say, there's something about this guy. And it's hard to put your finger on it until you start asking him questions about who he is and what he does. And then he does this really sly thing. And you all need to be prepared for this is Blaine asks you more questions and he actually flips the script super fast and starts asking you questions because he genuinely wants to find out who you are. So I've got him in an uncomfortable situation today uh, because this is all about him. I'm going to be peppering him with questions about who he is and what he does and what he does. He's the founder and president of the Provincial Development Group. This is a consulting company that does stuff so differently than I've seen in other coaching formats that I thought it was actually negligent for me not to bring who he is and what he does to our audience here. So Blaine, welcome to the show, my friend. Matt, thanks for having me. I uh, so appreciate your your ability to, to interview and, and dig into the, the gold that you find in people. And it's it's a lot of fun to be here today. Wonderful. All right. Why did you decide to fundamentally turn financial services business consulting on its head? Well, I appreciate the question. The, the number one reason was experience. And experience was this, that I found the biggest challenges by and large in our work was not around what people didn't know. It was around what people already knew but didn't have the time, the bandwidth, the capacity, the expertise to implement. And you can have all the knowledge in the world, but without implementation, you don't move the needle. When Kirk and I started Proudmouth, what was Top Advisor Marketing, one of the things that we set out to do was to create an organization that stopped telling advisors what to do and actually doing it for them. And of course, we do this very specifically with marketing, but you don't have real limitations. Through your discovery process, you uncover the things and then have strategies to fix those things for the advisor. How do you do that? And let's talk about your discovery process, please. Sure. Well, the reason that we start with discovery, and it's so critical to our process, Matt, is that discovery is much like an MRI prior to a surgery, in that if, I sh if, you're, if you're my surgeon and I show up and you say, well, Blaine, why are we here today? <laughs> that's going to that's gonna raise my blood pressure, because we should already know precisely why I'm there today, and you should know more about why I'm there today than I should. And so the discovery validates because we're not prescriptive, meaning we don't have a, this is our playbook A through Z for every client in the same sequence all the time. We only want to make a difference where a difference needs to be made. And so our discovery is a third party validation that really focuses on that. And what's I think distinctive about us is 
we are really focused on root cause rather than just symptoms. And a lot of the industry is just focused on here are the symptoms of the problems, having never yet identified what those problems actually are systemically caused by. And your model is very different. So when we went out to lunch last week, one of the things that you had said was that people will pay you for the discovery. And then that is an independent transaction from everything else. Why did you do that? Well, two reasons. One is I was, from a moral compass perspective, very concerned about discovery being a paid advertisement about why you should spend more money with our firm because now we have some data on you and now we're going to leverage that data to take advantage of you and taking advantage of why you should invest more with us. I, I think that's disingenuous and I think it's it's a disservice to the client. That's the first reason. So we want, we want to be involved in the post-discovery work because the client wants us there, not because we figured out a really creative way to trick them into it. The second reason is this, our work is very deep and deep work requires tremendous relationship, trust, likability, et cetera, et cetera. If we go through the discovery and those characteristics are not in place, it doesn't make sense to talk about the engagement with us as a part of the picture because the fundamentals, I think of relationship like a bridge. If I can drive a empty red wagon across the bridge, probably not going to be able to do substantial work. If I can drive a Mack truck across the bridge, now we're in a position to really make a difference for a bunch of people. The trust component is fascinating to me because of your discovery and because of your process, because people really have to trust your organization, Blaine, because you do the implementation how do you build trust? I need you to unpack that a little bit more. Let's lift the hood on that Mack truck and dive into that engine a little bit more. How are you creating not just trust, but so much confidence in the financial services firms that you work in so that they will say, okay, Blaine's got this, his team's got this. Talk to me about that, please. Wow. I love that question. The first thing I would say is most people are intuitive at the end of a, an hour conversation, like you and I have got to know each other pretty well, and it's been a delight for me to have that opportunity. One of the things I can tell about you, Matt, and I'm using you as an example to answer your question, if you don't mind, is I fundamentally believe that you have my best interests at heart. So when we are together, when we spend time together, I don't think that you're in it for Matt with the thinly veiled agenda of how can I make this look like that's true when I'm actually in it for, for, for you. So the first is people pick up on who are you really here to advance the, the agenda of? And if you don't, if that box doesn't get ticked, then I'm sincerely here to help you. And one of the things I love about our model is we only win when our clients win. I mean, that's the, that's the entire way it's structured. So from the ground up, from the terms, from the, from the way it's laid out, et cetera, et cetera, we win when the client wins, and that's how we want it. So that, that's the first thing I would say. The second is we have a very unique blend because we've not only had a deep experience base in the industry, we've had a deep experience base in over 30 sectors. So we're bringing a lot of solutions, creativity, ideas from other industries 
that help differentiate the firms and the approach that we're working with. One of my favorite talks that we do is what can the what can wealth management learn from the Four Seasons hotels, from guests from guest experience, client experience, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a very unique thing, and and I think people love that concept because they're really looking to differentiate because so much of what they offer is similar to their competition. You use the word winning, and we have to unpack that too, because normal, and I'm air quoting there, financial services professionals count wins as new clients, net new assets, assets under management commissions, whatever, whatever. You're talking about a much deeper meaning of winning. Expand on that, please. Yes. So one of our first stages post-discovery is what we call core content. And core content systematically defines what winning looks like across the organization with the client's interest being first. It's one of the reasons why I like the word fiduciary, because if you use fiduciary beyond just a marketing term, but actually as part of your DNA, you are, you are consciously putting the best interests of other people at the forefront of your agenda. And I, I'm, I get excited about a servant-based mindset to leadership, a servant-based mindset to client services, as you do. It's one of the reasons that I think our, our, our approach resonates so well with each other is because you think the same way. Keeping in mind that this is a marketing podcast, there are no stones unturned here. So let's take a step back. Since you do have a lot of experience in the world of marketing and, and helping people prepare to launch their marketing or whatever, what are some of the core projects or core fundamental tenets do you work on to help an advisory firm after they get their ducks in a row, which we could spend eight podcasts on the ducks in a row, brother. What do you think are the most important things for somebody to successfully market themselves and, and stop being the best kept secret in their area? Yes. I think our approach is a little bit controversial, which I'm completely at ease with, but you ask, you're asking me, so I'll give you my answer. So we focus on five areas, and I'm going to back into your question. The first area we focus on is leadership, because without leadership, I believe everything is destined to fail without good quality leadership. The second is strategy and execution. Do we have a plan that's actionable that really sets us apart? The third is team and culture. The fourth is client service and experience. And the fifth is growth and brand. And some people would say, you're a fool. Growth and brand should be first. The reason we sequence it that way is if you do the other four well, and you've done the heavy lifting to really build those out in a systematic way that, that produces quality results, growth and brand becomes infinitely easier. Clients are vastly disappointed if you have proposed yourself as a comprehensive financial planner, but you have no back end that actually delivers on that in a comprehensive, consistent way. That's a very simple example. But we help clients set themselves up for success because, because the what of the industry or the what of the offering is so similar, the opportunities in the how and the why. So we focus on the how and the why because that's what sets people apart. One thing that we've noticed as we continue to hone what we offer is 
the plan. Most 99% of the people that we work with are financial planners. Like they do something that is a plan for a client to help them achieve whatever they want to achieve, business succession, whatever, right? Uh, retirement, legacy, whatever. But it's like that whole cobbler kids have no shoes thing. Do you get resistance on the plan because you're trying to put something in in place, literally step by step? And a lot of the people that you work with are fiercely entrepreneurial and in like the freedom of that level of motion. How do you convince them that the plan is the right thing to do? By resisting the urge to tell people what they should be thinking and asking them quality questions to lead them to the answer that's consistent with what they say they want. If I ask you, Matt, what does success look like three years from now? And you tell me, and then you bring up a bunch of objectives that you have. And then I ask you, Matt, do you think objective three and five are consistent with the outcome you just described? It's much harder for you to argue with yourself than argue with me. So I'm an assess. our team is a plumb line that measures the metrics on what you say you want and then what you're doing. We had an amazing guest a little while ago whose name is Dennis Mosley Williams. And uh, part of what he taught was client experience, but also part of what he taught was culture. And then we also had a culture expert on the show just a couple of months ago. How do you help implement a real culture into a practice? The practices. Uh, Blaine, that I've worked with over the years, whether it's here in the where where I'm sitting now or in my past lives, you walk in and it feels different, man. Like there's the captain of the ship and and she's driving the the cap the boat this way, and everybody's like woohoo! And then you get into other firms and it's like whoa, what's going on here? How do you tease that out? And then how do you help them implement a culture plan? Because yeah, brand and in marketing doesn't matter if there isn't a cohesive feeling or culture within the organization? Yes. The absolute pinnacle of the answer to that question is leadership, because you will never experience the culture that you just described without a leader who's intentionally setting out to build it. Culture does not happen by accident. It is only the result of intentional actions. And the first aspect of that that we must address is what kind of culture do you want to have and what are you willing to do to get it? Until we answer those two questions, the rest is academic. I have to rewind you here because when you were going through the steps, what was step number one? Of our areas of focus. Yeah, focus, focus. Yeah, leadership. Right. So I just think that's so fascinating. I remember going to a conference once, one of our main stage, our keynote speakers said, the biggest issue in financial services is the lack of leadership. And, and it was such a blanket statement. And I remember, Blaine, that that hit me really hard. And I was like, wow, what does that mean? And I used to get asked all the time when I was a coach, Matt, do you do leadership coaching? And I remember just, I read a bunch of books and TED Talks. I'm doing all of this reading and trying to bone up on it. But dude, I, I, that was, I got up to the plate. I struck out all the time on that. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. What are some of the key aspects of leadership that you know that if you help an advisor put that into their practice, that the rest of your steps just go more smoothly? Yeah. Well, as you and I both know, this topic could be its own podcast and, and we don't have that luxury today. But to get started, which is, which is really the essence of our time together, is number one, it's got to be an answer. It's got to be an answer to the question of who are we? 
culture will never come apart from identity. So who, we, who are we as a firm? Once you generate that answer, now you know how we treat each other. How do we treat each other internally? How do we treat each other externally? And the reason this is so important is if you've got a toxic culture, clicks, backbiting, dissension, et cetera, et cetera, there's no way that can't help show up in client services. And that's why client service and experience comes after team and culture for us, because if you don't get that right, you'll never get client service right. So that's the first aspect, identity. The second is, where are we going? And I discovered quite by accident, if I'm transparent, this amazing phenomenon that is the ambiguity gap in leadership. And the ambiguity gap is this. Most advisors have a very broad stomach for ambiguity, meaning they can navigate without a lot of specifics and not lose sleep. The irony is they, if they hire the team they need, they have a very narrow ambiguity gap. And so this, this plays havoc with communication because the leader communicates to the team like the team is them with broad, broad strokes of communication without narrowing it down. So they think that they have painted the picture of where they're going. And in many cases, the team is more confused by hearing what they've heard because there's no specifics for them to relate to. And you must communicate to your team like you are them, not like they are you. If you were to, as we're closing out this year, I mean, it doesn't really matter when you're listening to this, but as you continue to plan and you set goals as a financial services professional, what are some of the things that you would say, man, if advisors just thought about these three things and then did some reading, hired some co coaches and consultants, hired you guys, what are, what are three things? Let's try to distill it into three things that if you could wave a magic wand and have people have the epiphany that these are the three things that they really need to do in order to achieve the level of greatness, whatever that means for them, what would those be? The best way to answer that is to set a premise. And the premise for the answer to that question is this. 98% of advisors have never been a CEO prior to what they're doing now. They've never started a company. They've never been a senior executive. And so what happens is if you're successful being an advisor, you've developed your bicep for being an advisor. It's big, right? You know how to get clients. You know how to keep clients, et cetera, et cetera. If you think about the relationship between the bicep and the tricep, the tricep is the muscle of being a CEO. It's a very different skill set. It's a very different muscle. And, the, and most of the time, the skill set to be a quality advisor and the skill set to be an advisor are radically different. And you can't even begin the conversation until you understand that distinction. Because in many cases, the very things that make you a great advisor are the things that make you a very poor leader. But people have blind spots. And as long as that's a blind spot, then answering that question is very challenging because you're not even solving problems that you're aware of that you have. Going back to what we talked a little bit earlier about, number one, who are we as a firm? And do we have that in writing where everyone knows? Number two, what are we going to do to create that? Because the stronger we are internally, the better we can be externally. 
So that's the second. And then the third is, do we have a strategy that helps connect those two to our daily work? And it's why I love our strategic blueprint, because our strategic blueprint makes 80% of your future decisions for you. Because now we have a plumb line for, does this CRM line up with this strategic blueprint? Does this, does this team building function that we're planned for Q4 line up with that, et cetera, et cetera? Does this way of serving clients actually flesh out what we said we wanted to flesh out? So having that plan and not making it academic, making it highly actionable. And if it's not actionable, it shouldn't be part of the plan. Those are the three things that I would start with. But I have to recognize the premise is the jumping off point for answering that. Sure. Being able to have your team understand how they fit into the picture that you're talking about is, is something that I have seen in firms that there can be some resistance from the team members really, truly getting on board. What, what do you do about that? Well, that depends on the context. The first is if you have painted a clear picture of culture and you've painted, painted a clear picture of where things are going, it may be a big flashing light that this person is not a fit for your team because that's the starting place. If they're not, then you need to find someone who is. And that's an that's a easier thing to say than do, but it's also critical because you can't build a successful practice or successful business with the wrong people. It's just not possible. The second is typically it's if they are the right person, then it's a communication problem. And the communication problem often goes back to that ambiguity gap of the leader thinks they've effectively communicated what you just said, but they actually haven't. And that's why leadership is a much more about asking great questions of your team than telling your team what to do. The third would be having a high trust relationship, just like I talked about the necessity for us to have. Your team has to say that, Matt, I cannot tell you the number of times in our discovery where someone will tell me, something about the leader that really needs to be said. And I've asked them, what would happen if you shared that with Bob, the CEO? I've wanted to do it for 10 years. I've never had the courage. But have you ever thought, what would actually be the outcome? Like, what's the worst thing that could happen if you spoke truth to them? And oh, by the way, here's how you speak truth in a way that's redemptive. And I'll, I'll, I'll give them a talk track because if you can't be honest in an organization, it's impossible to have healthy culture. And it's a sign of broken leadership. I'm sure that people who are still here and hanging out with us are thinking to themselves, wow, dude, he does a lot of stuff. And that was the first thing I said to you when we met in person for the first time. I was like, dude, wow, you really do a lot. How one, do you find clients? And two, who is the ideal person for you to do business with? Yes. We are blessed to have great quality relationships with another number of custodians and broker dealers, such as we are a part of the Market Square platform for Schwab, and we've got a growing relationship with TD and Fidelity, et cetera, et cetera, because custodians recognize that we solve problems that they don't have internal resources to solve. And so we are a unique offering in that space. We also have friendly relationships with folks like you and other industry contributors who see the uniqueness and the value of what we do, especially with our focus on implementation rather than advice. 
So those are the primary ways. I also do a lot of speaking. I do a lot of interviews like this. Those are great ways to get our message out. And our message tends to resonate well with our audience because they can relate to what we're talking about because all of it comes from experience and none of it's from theory. Our profile, our hard profile for clients in terms of, of metrics is firms that have 100 million up to 5 billion in AUM. And on the on this more subjective side, we can only work with leaders that are committed to change. We have figured out through our experience, there's two types of change. There's boardroom change, which is, gee, that sounds like a great idea. Maybe someday we should do that. And there's real life. We're in this to be better. We want to make, we want to do what it takes and we're committed. We'll put resources behind it, time behind it, energy behind it. Those are the only people we we can work with because we figured one thing out. If we want your organization to be more successful than you want it to be successful, we can't help you. What question should I have asked you that I didn't? That is a great question. I think it'd be interesting to ask why we do what we do in terms oh. of what motivates us. Well, answer that one, brother. That's a great question. Yeah. I have come to see this space, the role of an advisor as a sacred calling. And what I mean by that is this, when you deal with people's financial world, you're dealing with virtually every part of their life. You're dealing with marriage issues, children issues, parent parental issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you have a servant-based motivation and we can come alongside of you and help you build better quality relationships with your team and better quality relationships with your clients, then we are helping you enhance your sacred calling. And if you have the mindset and you agree with us that this is a sacred calling, and one of the hallmarks, it's, it's one of my favorite Blainisms, if you will, is we're looking for advisors who have a relationship with their clients, not with advisors who have a relationship with their clients' money. That's how we know that someone's a good fit. What is the best way for people to reach out to you? So our website, provincialdevelopment.com is a great resource. Info at provincialdevelopment.com. We, are, uh, we have an old-fashioned phone, 615-591-3960. Those are great ways to, to get in touch with us. We have a presence on LinkedIn, both I do personally and then also uh, a corporate page. It's not hard to find us. We've got a lot of content out there in, 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 with public access. And we will make sure that we put all of those uh, links in our show notes. First off, follow Blaine on LinkedIn, everybody. He's always putting content out. And in the Provincial Development website has so many resources. One of the reasons why I wanted to have him on the show, not only because what he does is so fundamentally unique and different, but they have the same mindset that we do, which is they just give it away. Yeah, I understand that not everybody can hire us and not everybody can hire Blaine and his organization. But we still want to help. And that sort of giver's gain, that servant mindset, that the abundance mindset is very, very prevalent here. And that's who we like to surround ourselves with. And I know all of our listeners like to surround themselves with that, too. So, Blaine, thanks for your brain, brother. Thanks for everything that you do. And thanks for being on the show. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it's great fun talking to you. And I, I love your ability to, uh, to ask great questions yourself.
If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you do. If you're entering into this podcast, I don't know, three, 400 episodes in, uh, hey, guess what? Go back and listen to some of the older episodes because we got a lot of really great stuff here. Use your search engine within your player. You can find out just about whatever you want to know about financial services on this podcast because we've done a whole bunch of these. Also, if you know somebody who really has the mindset that Blaine is talking about, really truly wants to make fundamental changes in their practice so that it can be what they've always wanted to be, please reach out to Provincial Development and Blaine's team so that you can help your friends, family, coworkers, whatever, be able to live the life that they really want to with that servant mindset. And finally, give us a quick rating on iTunes or whatever. If you have a chance, give us whatever. You can hit the stars or whatever you want to do. That always helps showing up in search engines. But for Blaine and everybody at Provincial Development and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Halloran. We'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to learn more about how you can be your own loud, visit our website, read our blog posts, attend our educational webinars, and sign up for our new Influence Accelerator Academy, where you too can learn how to truly be an influencer in your space. Have a wonderful day.